back to Becoming Your Best Version, a podcast in which I amplify women's voices and help women whose paths I've crossed talk about how they bring their experience, strength, and hope to the world, how they share their considerable light with the world, and share tips for becoming your best version. I'm Maria Leonard Olson, a civil litigation attorney in the Washington, D.C. area. I'm a WPFW radio show host, an author, a journalist, public speaker, and podcast host. Today, we have a really interesting speaker, Danielle Glosser, who helps artists increase visibility and client volume. Her clients include collectors of art and also artists themselves. She's the principal of a company called Client Razor, a business dedicated to helping artists to increase their client volume and visibility of their art. Since 2014, she has worked with nearly 200 artists in 20 states across the country in support of their professional goals. Danielle's expertise in strategic planning, project management, research, writing, and networking comes from years of working and building relationships in the private, nonprofit, and government sectors on social justice issues from inner city schools in Oakland, California to the White House. These professional opportunities, coupled with her personal belief that the arts are central to igniting conversation and enhancing human understanding, moved her to help artists with the business elements of their practice and to share their work with the world. Danielle is a 25-year resident of Washington, D.C. She has led workshops with over a dozen arts organizations, including the Smithsonian's Hirshhorn Museum and Sculpture Garden, Art Table, Maryland Institute College of Art, Hamiltonian, Transformer, Washington Project for the Arts, Halcyon, Superfine Art Fair, DC Commission on the Arts and Humanities, VizArts, Washington Sculptors Groups, Women's Caucus for Art, Artomatic, District of Columbia Arts Center, and more. You can check out her website, clientraiser.com or the show notes to learn more. She's also a member of Art Table, which is the leading organization for professional women in the visual arts. Welcome, Danielle. Thanks, Maria. Thanks for having me. Well, you, I, I hardly know where to start because you are all over the art imprint of Washington, D.C. and beyond. Danielle was introduced to me by a dear friend who has also been interviewed on this podcast, Philippa, Philippa Hughes, who is an artist herself and who has an interesting journey. So go back listeners and listen to that podcast episode. And I'm so glad that she introduced me to you, Danielle, because you have a really unique business in our community and our country, and maybe even internationally, we'll find out. So tell us, how did you develop this, um, I want to say, intense appreciation for the arts? And why did you start Client Razor? 
Um, great question, Maria. And basically, I'll back up and share first the history of client razor. Um, after working in the social justice arena for about 15 years, I was a bit burnt out and decided to stay home and raise two boys, which, as we know, was not exactly very relaxing, <laughs> especially because one of them was born with a rare form of leukemia and oh. had a bone marrow transplant when he was 10 months old. So wow, he's fine now, but um, it was a long haul. And once he started preschool, I knew that I wanted to go back to work. And long story short, our neighbor, who's a very famous artist, asked me to help him with his art practice. And I then shared with about the 10 people assisting me figure out my future, what I was doing with this neighbor. And they introduced me to, one introduced me to their son and the other to a friend. So I had two more artist clients. So I decided, oh, I'm just gonna focus on this and see if my skill set translates to this other community. And lo and behold, you know, eight years later, I've worked with about 200 artists in 20 states. So it worked out pretty well. I love it. I love it. So out of the mud comes the lotus. And you exactly. are a prime example of that. And you had significant challenges on your plate. And yet you were our woman who followed her passion to create a very useful service for artists and lucrative, sustaining business passion project for yourself. So going back to your uh, appreciation of the arts, how did that develop? You know, really, it's because of my husband. Hmm. He used to take me around to all the museums and galleries. And when we bought our house, you know, we went to a gallery and he wanted to buy this incredibly expensive piece of art and I almost had a heart attack <laughs> and then I just you know became used to the idea of becoming an art collector and so I just started to love art organically I didn't grow up in terms of being exposed to art in that way I don't even remember in school like going to any field trips but certainly I had art class but it really wasn't until my husband shared his passion for art that I acquired it as well. Wow, that's interesting. And I love how you have a true partnership with your husband in that you share your passions and interests and it turned into something that became a life journey for you. And when did, how, you don't have to say how old you were, but at, at what point were you in midlife when you started this business? Yes. So it was just eight years ago. So I would consider that midlife. So I'm 51 now. And um, it definitely was a third career in my on my count. <laughs> I love that. So many of our listeners are people who pivot in midlife and Danielle Glosser is a prime example of some look around at what you're interested in and think about how you want to live this next chapter, which I wrote about at length in my last book, 50 After 50, Becoming Your Best Version. And while I still practice law, I have a wonderful situation in which I can practice part-time and then pursue my passions of writing, public speaking, podcasting, amplifying women's voices and helping them 
become who they truly are. And you are one of those people who is who is embracing their authenticity. And I so admire that. Thank you. Thank you. So what were your first two careers? So out of college, I wanted to be the president of the Rose Bowl. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I actually ended up working for uh, the National Basketball Association for the Warriors in Oakland. And um, that quickly wore off. The novelty just was not as exciting as I thought it would be, like working, working in the marketing department. I just didn't have any sort of deep sense of satisfaction promoting um, other people in that way. I mean, I do promote people now, but I feel like even though basketball players bring joy to the world, I feel it's very different with art because that in many occasions can really change someone's life. I see, okay. And then what was career number two? So while I was working at the Warriors, I had my my interest in race issues had always been prevalent. My mother was actually a diversity trainer in the 80s. So I just grew up a bit differently than most people. I mean, I was going to Juneteenth celebrations as a kid where people just started doing that like last year. So uh, oh, wow, wow. Well, so your parents helped instill in you some social justice uh, passions or interest at least. Yes. Yes. It was definitely a part of our upbringing and it became a great interest of mine in terms of what I wanted to study. So that's what I did. I wanted to study race issues and I had the opportunity to speak with Harry Edwards, who's a very famous sports sociologist. Okay. He basically told me that at the time, there was only one program in the country. So I definitely was not getting a PhD at Berkeley. <laughs> so I wow. signed up to get a master's degree, which I felt I could handle under a sociology department, which okay. he recommended. So there were five universities at the time that offered such programs. So I wound up going to George Washington University and that's why I moved here. Okay. And what was that master's in? So it was a master's in sociology with an emphasis in race issues. Okay. The emphasis in race issues. Now our listeners can't see you, but they could see, they will see the show art. Danielle Glosser is a white woman. And because you have studied race issues, perhaps you can speak to using white privilege as a way to better our society? Oh, absolutely. Um, in fact, I just had one of my Black clients write a recommendation for me, and I was so complimented because one thing she said was that while everyone's out there, you know, waving their Black Lives Matters flags and promoting their products around, you know, diversity, that I was here actually quietly putting on shows for my clients of color mm -hmm. to get them more visibility during the pandemic. So I'm really about being an ally and it doesn't matter to me whether it's race, gender, sexual orientation, religion, like 
I'm for all people. And so I'm always out there trying to collaborate to promote others. So whether I've had experiences with my Asian American clients that I've helped out, my uh, Latino clients that I've helped out, and my Black clients, and also some initiatives around women's issues as well. Thank you for doing that. And, and that is testament to, we don't have to work to raise the vibration, elevate consciousness in our communities simply, not simply, it's hard to go out and protest, but sometimes it is the behind the scenes, one-on-one -on -one work that people like you do that make impact. And collectively, we can all do something, something to use whatever privileges we have, whether it's educational privilege, a, being physically able, all of us have some kind of privilege. I mean, living in the US, we all have access to clean water, for instance. And I took that for granted before I turned 50 and had major life upheaval. And I don't do that anymore. But thank you for your work. And can you talk about any um, current or recent installations, art installations or shows that you've helped promote, especially current? Well. I guess this will air in July. So talk about a couple of your, your shows that you have played a part in, in marketing or publicizing. Sure. So when the pandemic hit, I kind of went into a panic for my clients' sake. Mm -hmm. So I was just trying to think like, what can I do to help them? So at first I did, I tapped a lot of my colleagues that are big time art professionals to provide free guidance to artists. So I did a whole Zoom series for free. And then I did um, a series on Instagram to help as well. And then my big idea hatched, which was, I have a lot of friends that are big art collectors. Mm -hmm. They're not in the art world at all, but they certainly have a lot of knowledge and good taste. So what I did was I set up a series called Curated by the Collector. And I tapped four of my friends to select five of my clients to have on online shows during the pandemic. Wow. So we also, each one of my friends got to donate part of my proceeds to a nonprofit. So it looped in a nonprofit as well. So it was really fabulous on all fronts. It was a lot of work, yes, <laughs> but it yes. was amazing. Like we sold a lot of art and the nonprofits benefited and my friends had a blast and it was really tremendous. So I was very happy that it was a success because I just made it up. I mean, I really didn't know. I never hosted an online exhibition. So I really just made it up and it worked out. That is brilliant. Brilliant. Women know how to think outside the box, don't we? Absolutely. I love it. Did any of your children who are, I consider the younger generation to be digital natives and us to be digital immigrants. Did they help you with any of the technical aspects of the undertaking? No, I actually outsourced that piece. <laughs> I yes. was like, one thing I'm very clear about with my clients is I know my skill set. And if I can't do it, I'm going to tell you, but I certainly know someone that can do it. Okay, that is smart, 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 because my son 
at age 10 started trying to charge me $5 every time I asked him a computer question. <laughs> He's a smart entrepreneur himself, but I asked him then, do you want to eat dinner tonight? Or do you want to help mommy with this computer issue? And he <laughs> always knew how to fix it. In any event, I love that you figured out a way to amplify your clients' voices online. That That's brilliant, Danielle. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for doing that. Now, how does one do uh, an exhibition online? Because art is, in my experience, to be felt and to be in the presence of great art is such a, an, exper an unparalleled experience. So how did you help collectors and clients experience the art online? It was really just a simple gallery setup. I didn't do any of those like 3D pretend you're walking through a room yes. uh, situations. It was okay. more just like if someone was local, the artist would try to bring the work by for them to see outside. But at the time, you know, everyone was restricted to their home. So I wanted to try to be respectful of both the artist's health and the potential collectors. So sure. we just navigated each scenario differently. I mean, I had work bought in California, so obviously they didn't see it in person. But in my opinion, work always looks way better in person. So if you like it online, then you're going to love it in person. And that was, was that the experience? I'm guessing that nobody committed to buying a piece and then saw it and said, uh, I don't think so. Exactly. Okay. Awesome. I've actually never, ever even had that happen. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, I would love to see your art collection someday, and we'll talk offline about that. I know that uh, Philippa's art collection is just tremendous, and she posts about it, and I really enjoy seeing some of her art online. So you have worked for so many organizations. I love that you have a focus on Women's Caucus for the Art, for example. And what is your experience in helping uh, women artists in particular? So I'd say most of my clients are probably women, not all, but a, mm -hmm. a significant chunk. And I feel like women are definitely very receptive to ideas and some, not all, but some are more apt to execute my recommendations mm. and those that do see a significant change in their art practices which is really amazing i mean i have a few people that started out you know from scratch and have really just skyrocketed because they were willing to put the work in to empower themselves as entrepreneurs in order to make their art practices more professional i love that that's wonderful I see that you also worked on Superfine Art Fair, and my niece was one of the exhibitors there. Oh, super. When it was at Union Market. Were you at that show by any chance? I've been at all the shows because okay. I really appreciate the fair coming to D.C., and I have a strong relationship with both of the founders, so um, they've forwarded a lot of folks my way and I've helped them out in some regards in terms of navigating the DC art scene as well. So it's a, been a 
great collaboration. Wonderful. I did some pro bono work also for Washington um, Project for the Arts, and I'm so happy to see that on your resume as a group that you help because they really do so much for struggling artists and enhancing our community's appreciation of art and access to art. Right. Actually, that, that was my very first workshop that I ever did mm. eight years ago was for WPA. And I still work with about five people that I met there. So it, it was a great experience all around. Wonderful. I love that you marry your interest and passion for social justice with the arts. That's an Thank unusual you. and beautiful undertaking, Danielle. And actually back to the Women's Caucus of Art, uh, I tapped Philippa to curate a show for them, which we held at Hera Hub, which is a co-working space for women. For women, yes, I, I use that space as well. That's wonderful. So I did their art shows for about three years and um, they always picked female artists and it was a fabulous collaboration. Yes, I love how they display artwork throughout the workspace. It's a remote workspace, or I'm not describing it properly, but a place where entrepreneurs and anyone really can rent space or become a member and do meetings there. I took a class there uh, for women writers and it was lovely. I am really impressed with, with what they're doing. And I'm glad to hear that you had a collaboration there. Uh, or do your children appreciate art? That's a great question. Uh, not, I think I drag them to shows sometimes and I like to hear what their favorite pieces are. So it's not their foremost interest. Yes. Uh, sports is their passion, but mm -hmm. I think that they definitely like art. I don't think that they're going to like go out on their own at the moment to find uh exhibition, but in the future, I would imagine they would. I bet that it's seeping into their consciousness and whenever they're launched, their nests will be well adorned. I hope so, I hope so. So uh, I would encourage everyone to go and look at clientraiser.com, bringing business to artists and to get on her mailing list because I, for one, now that we're emerging from the pandemic, I hope, uh, would like to go to more shows. Washington is rich with art opportunities. I love, I've been, I went to that immersive Van Gogh experience, which I don't know if art, true artists poo-poo 3D sort of installations, I'm not sure. Um, maybe they do, but it was, it was uplifting and I appreciated it, but I want to go to more, more exhibits in Washington, we have so much here. So get on the newsletter, which you can do at clientraiser.com. And together, maybe we'll see each other at art shows. So Danielle, I love to ask this question of all our guests because uh, maybe I'm gonna turn it into a book at some point, but what do you do personally, Danielle, to become your best version? So I really try to take advantage of all opportunities. I consider myself like my superpower as a master brainstormer. Mm -hmm. And so I then evaluate 
all my ideas and discard some while others turn into fabulous deals. For example, I had this idea that I wanted to do with Bloomingdale's. So I brought it to this woman that I have do my makeup when I do photo shoots mm-hmm. who works there. And she loved it. She's like, you should bring this. We need to bring this to the executive office. And it morphed into this amazing opportunity for my clients. So I just feel like as an entrepreneur, I find it essential essential to often be unrealistic, like dream the dream and let's just see what happens because no one's you know coming to help me. I have to hustle to create all my own opportunities and that willingness to take action has led to some pretty amazing jobs and opportunities for myself. And I just believe that women to need to be more bold and proactive. Wonderful. I love it. Thank you so much, Danielle, for being on Becoming Your Best Version. And again, go to clientraiser.com and sign up. We'll see you next week. Thanks.